As we read our Bible, sometimes we get what's called a prophetic preview or a double prophecy. When Daniel wrote his famous book, he gave us a prophecy about a coming world leader that would arrive some 400 years after Daniel wrote. His name, Antiochus Epiphanes. He foreshadows the coming Antichrist. Many incredible parallels, both prophetic to Daniel's time, the coming Antichrist, future to our time. We'll learn more about this intriguing prophecy today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Jesus talks about an abomination that causes desolation in Matthew 24, 15. And Jesus lived from whatever the, the actual birth date is. Some people say 4 to 6 B.C. Jesus probably died between 30 and 33 A.D., maybe a little bit earlier. Remember, Jesus lives after Antiochus Epiphanes. Jesus is not talking about Antiochus in Matthew 24. Antiochus has lived and died. By the way, Antiochus died going cuckoo. And he also simultaneously had a bowel disease, which also happened to Herod, where he was struck by an angel, eaten by worms, and died. So God has ways to get to you <laughs> when you mess with his people. And so while he was talking with me about this stuff pertaining to the end times, Daniel says, verse 18, I sank into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. But he touched me and he made me stand upright. I, I don't know if this was, you know, escape from the brightness of the angel and just, it's too much for one day. Come on. I, I, got, I got visions of end time stuff. I got angels talking. Give a brother an understanding, Gabriel. Gabriel's real shiny. I got to go to sleep. Pulled the covers over his head. I don't know what happened. But he gets, he gets touched. Stand up. Get up, just like Peter when he's woken up by the angel in that angelic jailbreak in the book of Acts. And he said, behold, I'm going to let you know what will occur at the final period of the indignation. If you have an NIV, it says the later time of wrath. For it pertains to the appointed time of the end. Have you ever wanted to know something and then thought, maybe I don't want to know that? <laughs> have you ever been intrigued about a subject Maybe some of you are just starting to study prophecy and you're like, oh, the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, yeah, can't wait. And then you leave and you go, you know, <laughs> wow, right? Because some of it's heavy and some of it's sobering and maybe that's where Daniel was. The ram which you saw with the two horns represents the kings of Media and Persia. Don't have to guess about the interpretation. The shaggy goat represents the kingdom of Greece. Still a couple hundred years in the future from Daniel's time. The large horn that is between his eyes is the first king. The broken horn and the four horns. Remember, Alexander is the first king, verse 21. He dies at 33, tragically. Four generals take over. I described those uh, world empires for you. We focused tonight on the Seleucid and Ptolemaic dynasties, but they come out of the four. They arose in its place to represent the four kingdoms, which will arise from his nation, from Greece. Syria uh, grew out of that. 
although not with his power. These other kingdoms were not as strong as Greece, and so this is what's being described. And in the latter period of their rule, when the transgressors have run their course, a king will arise, now we're focusing back on Antiochus, insolent and skilled in intrigue. A king shall arise having fierce features, New King James, fierce features, who understands sinister schemes. See, the throne for Syria was not supposed to go to Antiochus Epiphanes. He actually, if I remember correctly, stole the throne from his nephew. He was sinister. He was a man of intrigue, a man with fierce features, an angry face, that kind of thing. A sinister, scary type of individual. And he foreshadows a coming ruler who will be Antichrist or the Antichrist. As this chapter unfolds, there are many scholars that believe that what you're starting to see now is parallels between Antiochus and this future leader. And they would argue that we may well take it that in verse 23, we're getting some clues about this future world leader, that maybe he too will have fierce features and will be insolent and skilled in intrigue, and no doubt he will. He will be anti-Christ, against Christ. He will be skilled in rhetoric. He will have a silver tongue, but he will have malice in what he tries to do. And so this is some of the parallels that we can see. His power will be mighty, but not by his own power. What does that mean? Does that mean some sort of demonic power? He will destroy to an extraordinary degree and prosper and perform his will. He will destroy mighty men and the holy people. As I've described to you the scene back in the 160s, you can see that this is exactly what Antiochus did. Now I'm going to give you nine parallels between Antiochus and the coming Antichrist. Remember, we do put these up in a couple days on the website so you'll be able to listen, but I'll try to move a little slow. Both Antiochus, number one, and Antichrist enter into a covenant to protect Israel you can write down Daniel 9.27 and 1 Maccabees 1.11 and 12 and 1 Maccabees 1.29 through 32. Remember, I do not believe 1 and 2 Maccabees are inspired books. They're in the Catholic Bible. They are not part of the canon, but they are historically accurate. So that's why I'm giving you some references. Both Antiochus and Antichrist Make covenants with many within Israel, Daniel 9, 27. Those Jews who enter the covenant are said to apostatize. You can see, uh, take a look at um, 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, and then the history that we have from 1 and 2 Maccabees. Number four, both Antiochus and Antichrist break the covenant, enter the sanctuary, and defile it. You can write down 1 Maccabees 1, 20 and 21. Um, 1 Maccabees 1, 54 through 56. 2 Maccabees 6, 1 and 2. And 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 4. Now, as we've moved through the book of Revelation, we've described an Antichrist who goes into a re rebuilt temple and causes what? 
the abomination that causes desolation. We believe that's yet future, typified, foreshadowed in what Antiochus did. He brought a statue of Zeus Olympus with his own face carved there and brought something abominable into the temple. Plus, he slaughtered the pig, unclean animal, and so forth. And he desolated the temple area. He brought something abominable, abomination, and it brought desolation. It, it dirtied the temple, if you will, that needed to be cleansed. Hence, you have Hanukkah. Everybody with me? So this future Antichrist, typified, foreshadowed in Antiochus, will do something similar. He will go into the temple of God, proclaiming himself as being God. And Paul says, don't you remember when I was with you, I was telling you these things. 2 Thessalonians 2.4. Jesus says in Matthew 24.15, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, spoken by Daniel the prophet, and then the writer of Matthew says, let the reader understand. Then let he who is in the city, a paraphrase, get out. Get out of the house. <laughs> Don't go back and get your coat. Don't go back and get your, no, maybe you should get your dog. Don't go back <laughs> and get anything else. Get out. Because these are the days of vengeance. Jesus is talking. If you go back and listen to the teaching we did in Luke 21 and Matthew 24, you can hear more about that. They both, uh, both Antiochus and Antichrist, break the covenant, as I mentioned, defile the temple. That's number five. That's number four, sorry. Number five, they both introduce a false god into the temple. You can reference first and second Maccabees. History records that on that occasion, he set up an image of his chief deity. I mentioned Zeus. The deity was made in the likeness of a man with his face on it. You can reference 2 Thessalonians 2, 4. And number six, in both cases, some Jews oppose the false religion and die. That's 1 Maccabees 1, 62 and 63. You can look at Revelation 13 as the whole chapter references that. You don't receive the mark. You don't worship the beast. You die. Number seven, religious Jews flee to the wilderness in both instances. Uh, they did in 1 Maccabees 2, 27 through 29. They did at the time that Jesus described events that applied to the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70 and the future. That's Matthew 24, 16 through 20. Number eight, the people who would not get on board with the plan died, including women and children. Once again, Revelation 13, 1 Maccabees 1, 60 and 61. And finally, both desire worship from themselves and oppose Christ. Uh, Antichus tried to raise himself above the commander of the host, and that's what the Antichrist will do. He wants worship for himself because behind him, his power is satanic. And through his shrewdness, Daniel 8.25, he will cause deceit to succeed by his influence. He will magnify himself in his heart. Notice he'll use lies, deceit, which will give him influence. Lies have gotten people to certain places, sadly. It says that, you know, uh, lies can travel around the world before truth ties its shoes. Just seems to be that way, doesn't it? Seems like truth moves like a slow train and lies and travel around the globe. So
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... We are entering the holiday season, and more specifically, Thanksgiving, which reminds us of a time of harvest. The Book of Ruth is a tiny gem in scriptures. Its story goes much deeper than we see on the surface. It's a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption. Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges, and Boaz becomes their redeemer. Looking deeper, the lady's story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. This book will give you hope through the toughest seasons and lead you back to the answer, our God, who is filled with loving kindness and is our hope. For your donation of $20 or more, we would like to give you a copy of the CD set or DVD by Pastor Michael Lance, Ruth, the Lord of the Harvest. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Notice he'll use lies, deceit, which will give him influence. Lies have gotten people to certain places, sadly. It says that, you know, uh, lies can travel around the world before truth ties its shoes. Just seems to be that way, doesn't it? Seems like truth moves like a slow train and lies can travel around the globe so quickly. He will destroy many while they're at ease, while they're feeling secure. He will even oppose the prince of princes, Jesus Christ, the prince of princes, king of kings, prince of peace. But he, Antiochus, will be broken without human agency. Remember, the story is that he got a bowel disease and died and also that he went mad. And I want to show you the parallel in 2 Thessalonians 2. Let's turn all the way over there. And I'm not going to go to Matthew 24 tonight, but I do want to show you this because this section captures the idea. And there is symmetry between the book of Daniel, between Jesus, what Jesus said would happen, and what Paul says. 2 Thessalonians 2. Let's pick it up in verse 3. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it, the day of the Lord, will not come, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, unless the apostasy, the defection, comes first. And the man of lawlessness, we believe the Antichrist, is revealed the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. This is what he wants. He wants worship. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now. We have a future study in Daniel where we'll talk about the restrainer and who that may be. So that in his time he may be revealed, verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way or taken out of the middle. And then the lawless one, Antichrist, will be revealed whom the Lord will, will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end, how? By the appearance of his coming. See that word coming there? That's the common word parousia, always used with the second coming of Jesus Christ in mind. That is the one, back to the one, this evil one, whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders. Notice, the power behind Antichrist is satanic. He gives power, 
He gives signs and he also gives lying or false wonders. And with all the deception, think of all we've read in Daniel 8, of wickedness for those who perish because they, the ones who perish, did not receive the love of what? The love of the truth so as to be saved. They would not receive the love of the truth, so that's why they believed the lie. And for this reason, verse 11, God will send upon them, those who would not receive the truth, a deluding influence so that they might believe what is false. So even the Lord ultimately confirms people in their denial of the truth. Back to Daniel and we'll finish. And he sends them a deluding influence. And at one point, we could argue they cross the threshold so that they will not end up in the camp of God. When all this, think about it. Is it hard to live for Jesus Christ right now? Is it hard for you to live for Jesus right now? Is it hard when you have a little opposition? Some of you have had a little opposition. It could be hard. Can you imagine the time when an antichrist is ruling the world and you can't buy or sell without his mark and he has fierce features and he's demonically energized and he's strategically a liar and he's swayed much of the world to him? How strong are you going to have to be then? That's why we're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit if the church is here because that's the only way we'll be able to stand. So back in Daniel 8, as we see... A reminder, the Prince of Peace, Jesus, will break this one. He will supernaturally slay him with the breath of his mouth, the glory of his coming. So be of good cheer. We win. It's just going to be hard. It's going to be hard for a time. Should the Lord tarry and not come in our lifetime, we're going to have to face all the ups and downs of a fallen world, right? We have so many beautiful things in this life to celebrate. Amen. So many good things. So this may, this will only really matter to the last generation, right? I mean, we could all argue about eschatology till the cows come home. I'm a pre-tripper. I'm a mid-tripper. I'm a post-tripper. I'm a pan-tripper. However it all pans out. I'm, I'm a pre-millennial. I'm a post-millennial. I'm a ah-millennial. Okay. But really, it's only a debate until the last generation has to deal with this stuff. But persecution is very real for people who live in the Sudan or the Middle East. So we have to be aware of times in which we live. So Daniel, <laughs> Daniel sees the vision. He uh, gets the interpretation by Gabriel 26. The vision of the evenings and mornings which has been told is true. The angel affirms its veracity. But keep the vision secret for it pertains to many days in the future. It's future Daniel. And then I, Daniel... Daniel is the author of the book of Daniel. I don't care what liberal scholars tell you. He wrote it in the 500s. I know it troubles people. How could he predict me to Persia? How could he predict Greece? How could he predict a coming world ruler in the 160s? Because the Bible is inspired by God. Take it to the bank. And Daniel said, man, after this happened, I was exhausted and sick. I had to call in sick for days. Daniel wasn't just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Let's go to Del Taco, you know. <laughs> Daniel was, was like messed up because he was thinking of all the implications. He said, I was exhausted. 
Sometimes that's how we feel. Sick for days. Then I got up again. I carried on the king's business. But I was astounded. New King James, I was astonished. NIV, I was appalled at the vision. And there was none to explain it. Now you might say, wait a minute. I thought he got the explanation. But I'm sure he wanted to know more. I'm sure he wanted to know, know more details and so forth. I'm sure he wanted to, you know, there could have been a lot given to him about the Maccabean revolt and all of that. He didn't really get a lot of detail. But here's what we do know. In the end, Antiochus was defeated. And in the end, Antichrist will be defeated as well. See, our God is amazing. Hanukkah is an amazing holiday, isn't it? Seems like the Jews, every time they get persecuted and a bunch of people die, they add another holiday. Do you know that most of their holidays are about that? Amazing things do happen when God delivers his people from horrible days. In 1997, the super typhoon Paca hit the island of Guam. During the storm that stalled over uh, the island of Guam, Transworld Radio was the only radio station still transmitting in the midst of sustained winds of 200 miles per hour. Their power was knocked out along with everyone else on the island. But they had a backup generator, and the man who was on the air vowed to keep talking until the fuel of the generator ran out. After some time on the air, he told his listeners that the fuel would run out any time because there was only enough fuel to last five hours. God's people were praying all around the world. And the Lord kept that generator going for 13 hours. One of the Transworld Radio missionaries on Guam at the time, Charlie Troxell, said, there's no human explanation as to why the generator lasted that long. There's no human explanation why the oil lasted that long, except this. There's a God who loves us, who cares for us, and he's on his throne, and he ain't going anywhere. Because he who began this world will wrap it up. In the book of John, Jesus is in the temple at Hanukkah. Turn over there and we're done, promised the preacher. John 10. This is the only reference we have to Hanukkah. And I, I want to show you the setting and how it ends. And this will lead us into our time of invitation. This is uh, John 10. This is verse 22. John 10, 22. John's kind of wrapping up uh, what Jesus did in his earthly ministry. And here's what he says. <clears throat> At that time, the feast of the dedication, John 10, 22, the feast of lights, the feast of Hanukkah, took place at Jerusalem, John 10, 23. It was winter, because we do know the feast happens in the winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews, therefore, gathered around him and were saying to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, if you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered and said, answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them. They, my sheep, shall what? They shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I 
and the Father are one. And the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Why? Because they knew what he was saying. He was claiming to be God. I am one with my Father. I am the good shepherd. No one is snatching my sheep out of my hand or my Father's hand. If you belong to Jesus, no matter how dark times get, no matter how weak you feel, no matter how intimidating books like this are, you ain't going nowhere because no one's going to snatch you out of his hand. Amen? So be of good cheer. Hey guys, it's incredible that we're entering the holiday season now, coming up on Thanksgiving. It really makes you think of the time of the harvest. And we have a wonderful product to offer to you as a thank you for a donation of $20 or more to the ongoing ministry of Walk in Truth. It's called Lord of the Harvest. It's a teaching through the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, the story of Ruth, is more than just what you see on the surface. It's really a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption as Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges but meet a kinsman redeemer named Boaz. When we look a little deeper, their story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. I would love to get this product into your hands. Go to our website at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. And we'll get this product in your hands. And for a donation of $20 or more, you'll be helping us reach more people and reach out with God's truth this holiday season. We appreciate it. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.